You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. No way to say how grateful we are for the Pope's service. Um, We have, just because of the transient nature of our society and also especially this area, People are coming and going in a lot, and we, we are just unable to send everyone off that way. I wish we could, but an elder, uh, we wanted to say thank you, Chris and Benita and Morgan, for your service. There's no way we can really adequately say thank you. Allison and I all the time talk about what a great leader Chris is and Benita's right in there with him with the missions team and and how much Morgan serves the thing I'm going to miss the most is sharing far side jokes with you Chris though so and we can do that email (laughs) well so much I would like to say the prayer today that Jeff wrote and prayed for us beautiful Um, The worship team and the song that they've got, the Grace Creative's latest offering, if you haven't seen that, you really need to see that, Uh, the middle song that we sang today. And on and on I could go, but I got to jump in quickly. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it is a good thing to be humble. Would you agree with that? It's a good thing to be humble. Try it on this way. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it is never a bad thing to be in a place where you are forced to be humble. That's a different kind of a place, isn't it? If you lose your job or even your home or you become ill, and I mean really ill, sick, or you've made a public mistake, It is quite embarrassing. Or someone has criticized you publicly. Or someone ignored you either publicly or privately. Or misunderstood your intentions. What about when you have foolishly sinned? Again, maybe private or public. Hear this. It is never a bad thing to be in a place where you need to be humble. Humility is different from humiliation, by the way. Humiliation is me being all upset about what's happened to me. Humility is me receiving from the hand of the Lord, even my place of repentance when I have sinned. Humility implies submission, trust, gratitude, and even joy. Today's text... Psalm 25 is an encouragement to those in any sort of pain because David was in a bad way when he wrote this psalm. And we can can relate. He was attacked by his enemies. He was distracted with his own sin. As he worked through his emotions, David anchored himself to Torah, Torah or the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, to God's law with languages that may indicate he was me- or language that may indicate he was meditating on Exodus 33 and 34 after the the, the, the the people had sinned by worshiping the golden calf and Moses asked God to show him 
his glory. And God said, I will show you some of my glory. And he proclaimed himself to be faithful and merciful and to forgive sins. It's going to be good for us to take the time to read through Psalm 25 in one go. And as we do, I want you to look for the following words or themes. Humility, no surprise. Dependence, confession, repentance, guilt, shame. Not always a bad thing, guilt and shame. Yahweh's faithfulness, mercy, forgiveness. Guidance, refuge. Now, there won't be time to explain verse by verse (laughs) where David is going in Psalm 25. But in addition to what I've already previewed, look also for these similar themes that we have, or themes that are similar to what we have already seen in Psalms 1 and 2. Remember how we talked about Psalms 1 and 2, an introduction, and the themes here are going to pop up everywhere. Two kinds of people, the righteous and the wicked. Two ways of life. Just take a picture. You don't have time to write it down if you want to to get this. Two ways of life. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Two destinies for these two groups of people. Life and destruction or perishing. It will say in Psalm 25. The importance of God's instruction for his people. And the blessing of refuge in the Lord. So I'm going to ask you if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. I I will be reading from the English Standard Version. I thought about having you remain seated as I read. Because I want you to really absorb this psalm. And the emotions. And the longing in the heart in this psalm. So imagine yourself standing Before the Lord. If you're in the Lord's presence. You're not likely to be sitting down. Imagine yourself standing. And speaking to the Lord as David did. Psalm 25. To you. O Lord. I lift up my soul. O my God. In you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been not for they have been from of old your steadfast mercy and and steadfast love remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love remember me for the sake of your goodness O lord good and upright is the lord therefore he instructs sinners in the way He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? 
Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. That hits for some of you, I know. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you and be seated. <clears throat> In his recently re-released book, simply entitled Marriage, Paul David Tripp wrote, The grief you are experiencing is not a dark tunnel that fate has sent your way. It is a wise tool in the hands of a loving God who knows how deep your need is and wants to give you gifts of grace that will last forever. Early in the book... Tripp states unequivocally that his advice in this book is not so much about marriage, but it's about the Christian life. Very few texts on marriage, very few texts on raising children in the New Testament. It's all the way through the Bible, but you live as a Christian is called to live and is empowered to live by the Holy Spirit and those other things will we'll get right. We like formulas for the various components and compartments of our lives but scripture teaches us that we are in an all or nothing relationship, an all or nothing proposition. That's what a relationship with Christ is. It's all or nothing. And all in gets you where you need to be eventually. Sanctification or spiritual growth is a process. It is up and down. God uses all things in our lives to mold us into the image of Christ. It was happening in David's life as he wrote what we know as the 25th Psalm. So rather than going verse by verse, we're going to think about five different points of application. Beginning with, lift up your soul to Yahweh. Give your heart to Jesus. Often, especially when you are tempted to sin. In verse 1 of Psalm 25, David lifts up his soul to the Lord. And he's not simply assuming a posture of worship. He is offering his whole life to the Lord. Which, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, for those of us who know Jesus as our personal saviors, is worship. Reasonable worship. But it's not just worship, as we'll get to in a moment. 
The reason that I included give your heart to Jesus in this point from Psalm 25 is that when you follow the trail, you discover that the New Testament writers connected Jesus to Yahweh. When we say the Bible is all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And we'll see more of that next week. Uh, We'll begin, though, in the Old Testament and just follow the trail. See how they got there. Yahweh is the name God most often used for himself when he related to and with his covenant people in the Old Testament. If I were doing it the way a transliteration of of the Hebrew, it wouldn't look like this at all in Hebrew, but if I had capitalized the consonants and lost the vowels, that's how you would see it in, in, in some uh, renderings of Yahweh. Yahweh in the Old Testament. Um, so when scholars began translating the Old Testament into the Greek in the 3rd century in what became known as the Septuagint, they ch- had to choose a Greek word to represent Yahweh. And they chose kurios, which is generally translated Lord in English. But it's also translated master and sir. When the New Testament authors, though, used kurios to refer to Jesus. I don't know if some of you are just as lost as you can possibly be. This will be over in just a moment. Hang in there. Is it worse than the wisdom teeth being pulled? I hope not. Uh, Whenever you see Lord in the New Testament, be assured of this. Uh, that the writers are referring to God as Lord, they're referring specifically to Jesus. And they're also connecting Jesus to Yahweh. And they're saying, Jesus is God. So do you see how the apostles and the New Testament believers understood Jesus to be Yahweh or God? This is enough for the moment. When you lift up your soul to Yahweh, you are dedicating your life to Jesus. Psalm 25.1 is also a cry for help. Lord, I lift up my soul to you. Help me. I am yours. Save me. That's the way Psalm 119.94 puts it. If you've seen the film on Luther... That's what his mentor told him just to cry out when he was plagued with guilt. He said, say this, Martin, I am yours. Save me. And he was quoting Psalm 119, 94. This would be a great prayer for you when you are fearful or when you are tempted or frustrated. I am yours. Save me. Lord, I lift up my soul to you. I have a friend who, when asked, when he asked Jesus into his heart, responds by saying, oh, I ask Jesus into my heart every day. Now, I hope you would understand that I am not, nor was my friend, implying that you have to get saved over and over and over again. That's not the point. I get what he was saying. And David would have gotten it too. When crying out, to the Lord becomes a part of you of the rhythm of your life. 
then you will be inclined to follow the second point found in our text. Live your life before the Lord with honor and shame in mind. Do not merely seek to determine within yourself what is acceptable and non-acceptable, but rather seek his guidance. You may think I've chosen to put half of my sermon in this second point. It's a long, it's a long point. I get it, but there's a, there's a lot that is important here. I, notice that I didn't say, think about honor and shame. Do not merely seek to determine what is right and wrong. We're so far beyond that in our society. We're about what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. What can I get away with? How do I identify? How do I virtue signal? How? Immediately after David offers his heart to the Lord, he asks in verses 2 and 3, for God to keep him from shame. And he returns to this theme in verses 20 and 21. I hope you got your Bible open and you can be jumping around. It was not... Long ago, that shame and honor were key motivators for good behavior or better behavior. That's no longer our way. Our collective practice seems to be to do everything we can to convince ourselves that we should not be ashamed of our behavior, but rather we should be proud For living as our hearts direct us to live. And and in such a space, the only ones who should be ashamed are those who judge us for living in ways that used to be considered shameful. My point is not to make a case about this or that. What is shameful and what is noble. David's primary concern about shame and honor was that those who put their trust in the Lord are going to be honorable and they are going to be honored but many will be found to have put their trust in the wrong thing or in the wrong God if you will those who miscalculate will be ashamed what I want to encourage you to do with this application point is to turn Your heart, consider in your heart the reality. I said possibility and then I placed it with reality because I I think we would all agree with this. We may differ on interpretation as, by the way, the guys did such a phenomenal job two weeks ago on the inerrancy council. Interpretation goes maybe in different directions, but the reality all of us would agree is that God's word is a better guide for belief and behavior than the culture is. It's always been difficult to resist temptations to sinful and shameful behavior. And the good news for all of us is that Jesus, as we read or sang about this morning, was buried in shame, raised in power. He took our shame to the grave. And we're free because he took our shame and our sins upon himself. It's always been difficult to resist temptations to sinful and shameful behavior. And if you're thinking, I can't think of any right now that I'm struggling with. Oh, boy. Surely you don't. 
You can see how David's commitment to lift up his soul to the Lord is also a cry for strength to overcome temptation. It may be more difficult to resist, and this may be more of what David was saying. It may be more difficult to resist the allure of a a movement that the declares its motives and goals to be pure and righteous. Whether on the right or the left, it doesn't matter. Jesus' sharpest words were for religious hypocrites who were convinced that they were doing the work of God. And what they were also convinced of was that the wrath of God was on the other side. Would you, this week, be willing... To lift up your soul to the Lord and ask Him to keep you from shame. I'm not seeking to reload the burden of guilt that you have sought to cast off. I I get it. I carried that guilt for a long time. Now I'm free. Now you're telling me to worry about being ashamed again. That's not the point. You'll, You'll see that in the next two points. But would you be willing to let God guide you in His Word? This would be a good week to open your Bible to Romans. And with the Bible on the table or desk or on your lap, bow your head and say, Lord, would you, would you give me the heart that David had, a humble heart reaching out to you for help to live a life that pleases you. It wouldn't happen in one reading most likely unless you've got time enough to do it or you take time enough to do it, but read all the way through Romans this week. Not necessarily again in one sitting, but try to get through the whole book because the first 11 chapters only have two imperatives, only two commands. The entire first 11 chapters are telling you what you need to know, and then in verse 12, it gets hot and heavy about what you're supposed to do. So don't give up about chapter 9. Skip that one if you have to, but don't, you really shouldn't. But just don't stop reading in Romans. If you will begin your week in this way, then you will have already begun to apply our third point. Repentance is a gift that is linked with the gift of forgiveness. The two are inseparable. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Maybe one of the reasons that I like Psalm 25 so much is that David is all over the place. It feels like a stream of consciousness when you're reading Psalm 25. And I so often feel like I am all over the place. But there is structure to this psalm. It's one of the acrostic psalms. We'll talk about that more possibly next week. Um, With each verse beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, it's not an entirely clean acrostic, but it's essentially, this is what we need to know from A to Z, is what's going on here. The letter off here or there. But there is significant structure. Plus, you see a pattern. David prays, and then he meditates on the goodness of God. Then he prays, and he contemplates. He's going back and forth. It just feels like he's going from here to there, but... There is structure to this psalm. But, but, but you sense from David 
in this psalm of lament, a spirit that confesses, I'm in a mess, Lord. No, wait, I am a mess, Lord. Please do not hold my sins against me. And even as I ask you, I acknowledge that my sin is great. Not that I deserve forgiveness, but for your name's sake, Lord, pardon my guilt. I am helpless without your mercy. When Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the Wittenberg church door, the very first words of the Reformation were, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, Matthew 4, 17. He willed that the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Now look, there's context for that. He was talking to the Pope and he was attacking the, the idea that you have to go through a priest to be forgiveness. But this is a perfect word, first word of the Reformation. The entire Christian life is a life of repentance. And repentance is a beautiful gift. And we spend so much time trying to avoid it. Because if I admit that I'm wrong, what will people think of? They won't, I will have no credibility anymore. Who do you, who'd you rather be right with? God or everybody else? There are several places in the New Testament that they either state directly or imply that repentance is a gift from God. And so when you say, no, 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 I can't admit that I'm wrong. You, you may be fighting against the Holy Spirit leading you to repentance. How do you know if he's leading you? Does it jibe with the word? Brothers and sisters. Do not try to hide or justify your sins. But yield to the Holy Spirit who will lead you to repentance. For when you do God's forgiveness in Jesus. Will wash over you. It's like the world says, that's it, I'm done with you. And Jesus says, come here. You and I, we belong to each other. Do not think that the gospel was only important for you on the day of your decision to believe Jesus. Every day, confess your sins instead of seeking to justify yourself in your own mind and in others' eyes. Lean into God's redemptive work in your life through Jesus. Understand and believe that your union with Christ will lead you to the fruitful life of righteousness that the Psalms promise to those who lift up their souls to the Lord. How important is it? Fourth, intimacy with the Lord is reserved for those who acknowledge their sinfulness. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. And yes, I'm aware that I've used the same phrase in two points in a row. Elders, you don't need to have a special meeting after the service um, to be concerned about this. Why wouldn't I remind you? Why wouldn't I remind myself that we must Preach the gospels to ourselves every day. David repeatedly turned to gospel truth in Psalm 25. Interestingly, it is those who were humble, those who were repentant, 
Those who acknowledge their sinfulness that are brought into close relationship with Yahweh. Verse 8 is a beautiful expression of this truth. Good and upright is Yahweh. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. By the way, when I transfer from the computer over to PowerPoint, um, it doesn't capitalize all of the letters in Lord, but when you see that in your uh, Bible, if, if your translation capitalizes, it's referring to Yahweh. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. I looked at several commentaries and study Bibles, but only one or two had the courage to say what I, I sense right off the bat, and I, I do believe is true, that it is an acknowledgement of one's sinfulness that puts her in a position to learn from Yahweh. It's not like, got to get you sinners. No, it's the one who says, I'm a sinner. And the Lord says, good, okay, let me, let, me, let me instruct you. You're ready for my instruction. We receive instruction from God, of course, in his word. And then in verse 14, an amazing verse, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. That is much more a New Testament idea, reality, than it is Old Testament, but here it is in Psalm 25. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. If you've got a King James, it says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, I think is what it says. We do not impress God with our efforts to convince others of their erroneous beliefs, although there is surely a place for earnest calls for others to repent. But those who fear the Lord or those who are humble and lift up their souls to him are considered his friends. That's helpful. Last. The Lord is a refuge for all who take shelter in him. Psalm 25 gives us a glimpse into David's life and into his heart. David's enemies were at war with him. David was at war with himself. But God was greater and kinder and more merciful and more tender than David could have ever hoped. He is, as David found him to be and still is, a refuge for all who seek him. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. It is a good thing. to. This is a great verse to know today. Because the world is increasingly saying, I don't want to hear about your Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. All the righteous man runs in it, into it and, and is safe. And we remember that the one who repents of his sin and trusts God's promises, which for us are centered in Jesus, is the one who is righteous. Not the one who's just good, does good things. But the one who has given, been given the righteousness of Christ. Dear believer, what burden at this point in your life has you feeling like a mess? I know personally from several of you that this is 
an extremely difficult time. I'm not, your faith is not shaken, but it's a hard time. David's faith wasn't shaken when he wrote Psalm 25, but it was a hard time for him. It is never a bad thing to be in a place where you need to be humble. You need to respond to your circumstances with humility. In fact, it is the humble one whose sins are forgiven. It is the humble one who is instructed by the Lord. It is the humble one who finds refuge in Jesus while living in a world in which security is fleeting, in which instructions change every day, and in which your friends today may be your enemies tomorrow and you have no idea why. God is not that way. He is faithful and Jesus is the full expression of his faithfulness to us. The church community, the covenant community should not be that way either. We need to work through our stuff. Love each other. Even though we got different ideas about this and that in the world. We don't shame one another. Let the Lord bring us to that place of shame if we need to. But realize it. The shame was taken by Jesus. And the only way we hang on to our shame is to pretend that it doesn't exist. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. One more time. The first three verses of Psalm 25. And we'll close in prayer. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. That would be true. Even if we're taken to the public square. Mocked. Stripped naked as Jesus was. Beaten. Put to death. We will not be put to shame. If we wait on him. They shall be ashamed. Who are wantonly. Treacherous. To you O Lord. I lift up. My soul. Let's pray. Our Father. What a privilege it is. To say Father. On this day when many. Have difficult relationships with their fathers. Who miss their fathers. Who have never known a father. What a privilege it is. For each and every one of us. To come to you and say father. Thank you. For turning your face toward us. You can do so and be just and the justifier of those who believe. Because you turn your face away from your son. When he bore our sins.
and our shame. May we be fully committed and may you remind us of this commitment and may you empower this commitment as you have led us to make this commitment. May we be fully committed to hearing from you and taking our cues from you and our instructions. May we ever be mindful of the beautiful thing that has been done for us in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray and exalt his name and commit ourselves to share his name this week to those that you bring into our paths. It is in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.